You're listening to Autism Approved Radio, where we bring hope and help into your homes. Hi, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Ron and Kristen bringing hope into your homes. We have another great show for you. We just might. It might happen if we're in a good mood, maybe. So uh, listen, guys, we're excited about this. We're on Autism Approved Radio, and we're going to talk about today something that we touched upon a bit, actually. A few shows ago, and Kristen was asking me about a particular chapter in my book all about tantrums and challenging behaviors, and then we were like, you know what? We should actually just devote a whole show, because I was only able to scratch the surface, to how do you handle when your child is, and by tantrum, I mean that pretty vaguely, tantruming, hitting, crying, having a react, what some people call meltdowns, and we have some really specific ideas for you about this. We have ways that we can really help you with this, because this is not something that's like genetically ingrained in our kids. This is something that's actually learned. And we can help you to help your kids unlearn it and figure out a different way to communicate. But before we do that, we have to do the argument, argument of, of the day. day. Alrighty. So, Kristen, Kristen Selby G, um, here is my question to you. I have a feeling I can guess what your answer is going to be because I know you. But uh, here's my question. So, you know, when, when uh, someone asks another person out on a date for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think it should be the woman or the man that does the asking? Uh, I think the man. Sh- I'm traditional, so I think the man should do the asking. Shocking to hear you I say that. I know, isn't well, it? But tell me why. Why is that? Um, I think that as a woman, I think there's, you know, the, you know how you hear a man of the house, the man, like, takes charge, the man is the one, like, has, like, uh, gentleman-like, right? He pulls out the chair for you. He opens the door for you. I think, as a woman, I, I really like the man kind of taking charge and uh, okay, but, asking but me out. That, I mean, I actually could argue about that separately because I, I disagree with you there. But let's say, let's let's keep your argument. Let's say, fine, the guy's pulling out the chair, he's opening doors. We're talking about, though, the asking of the person, like, hey, would you like to go out to dinner with me. Or and that's the like, first date, right? Yeah, first date. Uh, absolutely a man. Absolutely, hands down, without a doubt, I am but a girl why? that... Because I think, you know what? We, as women, have given up all of our other womanly kind of things. Like, I feel like now, like we say, oh, we're just as good as a man, which we are, if not better. But we used to pretend that we never actually... We actually never admitted it before, you know? And now it's like we basically are taking away all the kind of fun things that being a woman's about. Like, a woman wears heels, a woman wears makeup, a woman gets to dress up pretty. And a guy, he like, you know, he's supposed to be manly-ish, you know, and he wears suits and cuts the wood outside and plows the snow. And like, I feel like now a woman's like, oh, I can do all that and I'm better. It's like, well, wait a second. Now the man's like, well, I want you to ask me out and pay. Are you serious? We're not talking about paying. Oh, my God. We're just talking about the person who's saying, would you like to go out with me? No, I think a man being a man, why doesn't he get some, no offense, balls, and, like, be the man. Like, I want a man who's actually a man. I don't want a man that's like, okay, I love women's lib. I like a woman when she opens the door for me. I like a (laughs) guy. That's me, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I want a guy that, like, actually says... I want to be the man, and you know what? I'm going to know how to make a dinner reservation. I'm going to pick her up, like, respectfully. I'm going to, like, you know, treat... pick her up respectfully? Is there a disrespectful way? Yes, you can honk the horn. She needs to come to the door. don't honk the horn. And, like, have flowers, and... Have flowers? Yes! On the first date? Yes. Holy cow. 
And again, why we wonder why Ron is single. <laughs> <laughs> Evil woman. I was just okay. saying. Well, here's the thing, though. Wait, but here's the thing. Here's why this is actually really stupid to have the guy. I know that's traditionally the way it's done. Really dumb to have a guy be the one that's the one. Nobody actually wins from this situation. Because... The woman, let's be honest, in 90%, not in every case, in 90% of the cases, unless the guy's Brad Pitt, the woman is the chooser. The woman chooses yes or the woman chooses no. I'm fine with this, by the way. I don't have any problem with that. But my point is, when you then have the guy, the guy has to like work up the courage to ask her out when most of the time he's going to get rejected, right? So now sometimes he won't, but I'm saying more if, than if, half the if, time he will. If the guy's talking and they're like looking like they're having a good vibe, there's most of the time okay, the one's going to say yes. Uh, Maybe we, but but what I'm saying is, there's times, lots of times, a guy's gonna ask a woman, especially if he doesn't know her very well, and she's gonna say no. Now that I'm not saying that that's not okay. I'm making a different point. So he's gonna get no's more than often than he gets yeses, which is completely fine. But the weird thing is, is so so the woman has to then wait around for the guy to ask her. The guy has to work up the courage, knowing he's probably gonna get rejected. If you switch it, let me just tell you how awesome this would be. You switch it. The woman is asking the guy. First of all, almost 100% of the guys are gonna say yes to a woman asking them out. It's awesome. In fact, I, I tell you honestly, even if I'm not crazy about a woman, if she asks me out, just that turns me Hey, on. girls out just there, that. just want you to know, if you want to ask Ron K. Kaufman out, he pretty much on record right now says... I wouldn't say no. I'm just saying... I'm, no, but come on. Most average... Look, if a woman approaches a guy in a bar, asks him out, or, or whatever, he's going to probably say yes. Not all the time, but the vast majority of the time. So... And then the woman gets to pick the guy she already knows she would prefer to hang out with or go out with or whatever versus the guy having to guess if he's the one that the woman's going to give the time of day. It's just so silly. Why not have the woman not have to wait and the guy not have to, like, roll the dice when there's, like, a one in four chance of getting a yes? Even if there's a one in four chance, I think a woman is worth taking a risk for. And that, my friend, is we're going to have to agree Disagree. disagree. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're done with that. I had more to say, but I'll let it go. But I uh, have this to say to all the women out there. You heard it here first. Ron K. Kaufman said, most likely, no, if I, you were to ask him out. I said men in general. But I will you tell said, you. you. But I will you. tell you. It totally turns me on for a woman to ask me out. Like, I you won't, actually I said that. you. For, right. You actually said you. If a woman asks you out. You almost guarantee. No, I did not say yes. that. I've yes. actually said no many re, times. But re, read, rewind to this uh, segment. I said a guy will almost guarantee to say yes, well, but I, I will say it really helps if a woman asks me. It makes me it makes me more interested. In uh, her, I for see. Sure. I think we should have a whole show about women who want to date Ron, and we could like. Let's not you? have that. Show. How about that? <laughs> How about that idea? And we could pick them, and they could like send their picture in. Yes, that sounds great. That sounds almost as appetizing as taking a double barrel shotgun and putting it in my mouth. <laughs> um, so okay, so let, let, let's do this. Let's move on to the theme of the show. Ron. Yes, indeed. I think Ron's embarrassed. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Maybe. All right. So uh, we're talking about tantrums. We're talking about how to help you help your child with that. Um, let me, if, if you don't mind, Kristen, I'm just going to repeat a little bit of what I said the last time, just to, just to sort of set the stage here, and then you can chime in with whatever you want. So basically, this was what I was talking about in my in my book, actually, when, when I'm talking about this, and I, I lecture about this, is that a really helpful way to think about tantrums or hitting or any of those kinds of things is to start thinking of them almost as if they're their own separate language. 
So what I mean by that is that most of the time when a child is doing something that you deem challenging or aggressive or they're having a big reaction to something, most of us just, number one, the only thing we're interested in doing is stopping that, stopping that behavior. Um, and, and then we don't really know how to do it. So we do things to try and stamp it out that oftentimes can make it worse. Uh, so when I say think of it as a language, look, whenever your child is screaming or hitting or pinching, they're clearly trying to actually communicate something to you, right? They're not doing it for no reason. So whether it's whether they're communicating, I want that thing on the shelf or get out of my space or I'm overwhelmed and overstimulated right now or my stomach hurts, whatever it is they're doing, they're trying to communicate something. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna actually take that into consideration. We say, okay, they're trying to communicate. This is, first of all, great. So I don't need to freak out when they're tantruming. This is good news. But secondly, they're communicating in Russian or whatever language you don't speak. They're speaking to me in Russian. I don't speak Russian. The guy down the street who runs the store, he doesn't speak Russian. Nobody around here speaks Russian. So I have to help my child to speak English, i.e. you know, talk, point. Even using parts of words is wonderful. So I'm trying to transition my child over so that what that means is first, I have to start looking at my reactions to things. Oftentimes we have big reactions to tantrums and actually comparatively quite small reactions when our child actually tries to communicate because we deem that a non-emergency and we deem the tantrum an emergency and so as a result, our child learns pretty quick because our kids are pretty smart. They learn pretty quick that actually the way to get a fast, quick reaction is by screaming or pinching or something. And the way to not, the slowest way to get what I want is to try and haltingly communicate it by trying to speak when that's hard for me because everyone listens really slow to that and nobody jumps and tries to do it. So I just wanted to set that that stage there. We, we, we wanna start to change our reactions as we think about it as a, as a, as a, um, a language. We wanna think, I no longer understand Russian. I only understand English. So it's, you can speak Russian all you want. And even if you scream and scream, that just means you're speaking Russian louder. <laughs> now that's okay, you can do that. Doesn't mean that's something that's bad if our kid does. If our kid's speaking Russian louder, no problem. But it's not English. So we then sort of, uh, you know, some people say ignore the tantrum. I'm not actually recommending you ignore it. I'm actually recommending you not understand it. So you almost turn to your child at first and you can say like, oh, I, I really like to help you, but I don't actually, I have no idea what you want. So I don't know what that screaming is. It could mean anything, so, but oh, you use a word, I am gonna run like crazy and get what you want. So I just wanted to start that off with like as a, as a baseline way of thinking. And about. again, that's one way to do it too because there's also like when our child has a tantrum, let's say we have to go to the grocery store and the child has to go to the grocery store with us, right? So I'm gonna paint this picture for you guys. You go to the grocery store, your child seems to be doing okay, they hear a baby cry. A lot of our kids don't like the sound of babies crying, right? They throw themselves on the ground, they're kicking, they're screaming, you have all these people around you. They're speaking Russian, but at that point, you'd be happy to speak Russian if you could explain to your child, get up and, like, <laughs> you know, help you with the grocery shopping. So that's when you're going to have to be in a really calm place as well. And first of all, make sure that your child is safe, you know, like, because, again, do all kids have tantrums? Yes, they do, regardless if they have autism or sure. they're neurotypical. Um, however, again, our kids are more exaggerated on their tantrums, meaning it goes a little bit harder, a little bit longer, and sometimes a little bit not safe for them. Because if they're not in a safe environment when they're having a tantrum, we have to make sure that we provide one for them. And so, granted, a lot of us have to take our kids to the store. We want them to be able to go to the store at some point and be able to practice with that, right? Um, so if you are in that situation, I want you guys to also 
realize, okay, you know what, sometimes you might have to go back to the store. You might have to be able to be in a calm situation, say, okay, we're going to leave, because your child is communicating with you at that moment. They also might be communicating, I can't take this, this is too much for me, right? It, the lights in here are too much, the noises in here are too much, and you know what, the baby crying over there, push me over to the top. I got nothing left to give you, mom, you know? And so we should respect that as well, and try to get them back in the car, and or however you're, you know, if you're walking or whatever, get them back in a safe environment, and then if you want to try again at a different time, um, that's also okay. However, don't be attached to, I now have to do everything I want to do today, even though my child's trying their best to process. Would you agree? I would agree, but I would add this too. So, and, and Kristen, you mentioned it. So it's this piece of, okay, of, of, of this is why at the, bot, at the end of the day, whether we're in a supermarket or whether you're at home, no matter what's happening, at the end of the day, your own attitude, your own emotional state while they're having some kind of tantrum or meltdown is absolutely crucial. I mean, it is so crucial, I can't even tell you, because most parents and most people get agitated when their child is agitated. And what happens is two things. You're communicating to your child, yeah, something really scary must be happening. That's why mommy and daddy are so agitated. Two, it's not okay what you're doing. You're sort of creating a whole push-pull. And three, you're just uh, you're just um, increasing all the emphasis on the tantrum. You're sort of trying to see, you're you're getting upset and you're making a really big thing about it, which is actually drawing more focus to it rather than less. Um, you know, people a lot of times I've seen parents when they get let's say hit by their child, they'll go they'll like really make a big deal and sort of like uh, hold their hand. Hey, don't don't hit daddy. I told you not to hit daddy. And what ends up happening is, uh, I, I do this actually in, uh, in my book. Like, listen, we'll do it right now over the radio. So I want everyone who's listening to not think of a banana. All right, seriously, guys, don't think of a big, ripe, yellow banana. Don't think about it. Right, now it's pretty hard to do, right? The first thing you think about is a banana, right? So that's how the human brain works with or without autism. So if you're stay, going to your child, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit. What your child's actually hearing is hit, hit, hit. However, what you can do is instead of trying to say don't hit, you can grow the other thing. Like when, I, when I'm with a child who tends to be aggressive, I'll start focusing like crazy on being gentle. In fact, when the child does anything to me that's gentle, I will flip out and jump up and down and make a huge big deal. Because just like that banana thing, if I say now, if I don't want you to think of banana, instead of saying don't think of a banana, I'm saying, guys, think of a big, juicy, ripe orange, a big one, ready to be peeled. Oh, it's so delicious, right? So now you're thinking about the orange. We're not thinking about the banana anymore. So you want to grow the thing you want instead of trying to stamp out the thing you don't want, which is the only way, that's the only way the human brain can really comprehend it anyway. And with our, but, but coming back to what Kristen was mentioning, what I was saying, that's why in order to do any of that, you have to first be coming from a platform of being comfortable, of saying, this is not the end of the world. This doesn't mean anything bad about me as a parent that my child's tantruming. Uh, it doesn't mean anything bad about me as a parent if I don't run around trying to stop the tantrum. Right? A lot of times we run around trying to stop it because we're actually trying to get ourselves comfortable as much as we're trying to get our children comfortable. And that really short circuits us because if we can stay comfortable, then you know what? The first time or two that we do that, our child might tantrum for longer. They might tantrum a little louder. But we had to let them work through that. And then if we can stay comfortable, they'll see, number one, there's nothing to be agitated about. You know, they won't see us doing that. And number two, it'll put us in the best state of mind where we can not have a huge reaction to that and be sort of curious but 
a little confused because we don't know what tantruming means, and then be really aware of having a really big reaction when the child is communicating in a way that's more understandable. And I think that's, there's other principles as well, and those are all awesome. And I'm just thinking of Jackson and some of the things I've been through. Here's another thing that could also potentially help you guys or just have a tool under tool belt, right? Um, I think a lot of times we forget to explain to our children what the day is going to look like. And the unknown to our children sometimes can be very scary. So I know Ron had talked about, I don't know if it was this show or another show we did, um, regarding about like uh, pictures and some therapies, you know, show pictures. Um, I actually don't necessarily think that's a bad thing when you're trying to explain, you know, throughout the day. Um, meaning, Jackson is at a different kind of state right now. Like, he's at a different stage of where he used to be. I mean, he used to never look, never talk. He literally would just stim all day long, right? And now he's very connected. He's talking more. But we've never really ventured. It's very new the last couple of years going and doing outside of his playroom and doing new things, right? And so now we'll find pictures of a grocery store and, like, we'll show, like, okay, this is, you know, what we're doing today, you know? And maybe, like, let's – and that's more in the beginning, but we've, we're still doing that now because we never used to take him grocery shopping. So now we're taking him grocery shopping. We're explaining, okay – after this, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. And it's not like he's not being flexible with it because he's totally, he's been doing a sunrise program for so long. He's totally okay if somebody calls him sick or you never know what's going to happen. You could get a flat tire. I mean, it's just, but what we notice is explaining, like, we're going to go to the grocery store, and you know what we're going to get? We're going to get oranges and zucchini and <laughs> broccoli, and it's so awesome. And, like, we'll be in the car dancing and singing to it, you know. <laughs> And we get to the store and everything's great and I have him help me push the cart around the store and, you know, but again, explain, explain, explain. And, you know, for tantrum, because I know a tantrum could happen at any moment. I know because he is trying to hold it together with all he's got because, you know what, our kids are working harder than any of us could ever even imagine, right? So they're trying to process everything they can. So Jackson doesn't like babies crying, right? He also doesn't like dogs barking. For whatever reason, those are the two sounds he does not like. And a tantrum could happen or a meltdown if those two things happen, even if we're having the best time of our lives, right? So another thing we try to do is give Jackson coping strategies to kind of help prevent a tantrum because now we're empowering him to help cope with something himself, right? Um, so, for example, we're riding the bike around the neighborhood. And what happens when you ride the bike around the neighborhood? You're going to hear what? Dogs. Dogs bark, right? <laughs> yeah. So at first he couldn't even handle it. He would like scream even though he was riding the bike and like would have to like ride the bike as fast as he could just to get back. Even though he loved riding the bike, he would literally start having a tantrum and a meltdown because of this sound, right? Well, what we started doing is saying, hey, Jackson, what's a pig make? What sound does a pig make? Oink. Oh, that's right. Oink. What sound does the cat make? Meow. Oh, my goodness. I totally forgot. What sound, does a do what sound does a dog make? Woof. Oh my gosh, that's right. And what's that thing doing? The thing's woofing. You think the dog's saying hi? We should so woof back. Woof, 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 woof. And like, <laughs> and now we started doing that with babies crying too, which is the only thing is I don't recommend doing that around the mother of the child that doesn't understand what you're doing because I accidentally did this once at Target and this baby was screaming and I'm like, Jackson, what kind of, what kind of sound does a pig say? And Jackson's like, oink. I'm like, what kind of sound does a dog make? He's like, whoop. I'm like, what kind of sound does a baby say? And he's like, wham. Right? And like, so, but he totally, 
totally got it and he was able to cope because I'm explaining, 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 and you know, letting him know we all make different sounds and he doesn't have to have a tantrum. Um, the other thing is giving him uh, coping like words. That's a really big thing for Jackson. Um, and I know for a lot of your kids out there, I've heard from you guys as well, it's a big thing. So like when Jackson would start having a tantrum sometimes, he would get kind of aggressive. Like he grabbed my wrist really tight, you know? And I'd say, buddy, I love you. So kind of what Ron was saying, like try and talk to him. But then I'd kind of give him the power back and say, what kind of body can we use? And he'd say, nice body. <laughs> and I said, do you think you're having a nice body? No. And then he would like, I said, can you show mommy a nice body? And he like gently like stroked my arm. You know what I mean? But like giving him that, like, it's not that he's trying to be bad. They're, none of our kids, I really don't think for the most part during a tantrum are trying to be bad. I think they're trying to process a world that they don't understand. So I think it's up to us to try to figure out a way to help them kind of navigate through this world that they're just not used to. And actually that's why it's so important to help them communicate in a way that's going to serve them, where they can go around and say, I, I want this, I don't want this, and be understood by people around them. That's, that's what all of this is in service to. And so that's why I just want to highlight one more time, when I'm ever working with someone, I'm really focused on being slow, mellow, and quiet the more they escalate, and excited, loud, boisterous, and fast when they are either being gentle or communicating, using words, or anything like that, so that I can start to, I, almost the exact opposite of what we're used to doing, of what most people do at first. And I've been really surprised a lot of times, whether the child is verbal or not ver or nonverbal, about if this is done really consistently, like with everyone in the household or whatever, how fast this can start to shift. Um, and it's, I've just got some really quite amazing stories about it too. Oh, and one last thing is I would just say too, there are sometimes when a child really just wants and needs to kind of cry it out, especially if they're in a safe place, they're in your house or whatever. And sometimes that's then best too. You know, I wouldn't keep going up to them going, you know, daddy doesn't understand you when you say blah, 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 blah. Um, say that once. And then I was working with a, a kid who was tantruming a lot. Um, and I would just go in and I would actually just sit a little like across the room from him, not stare at him and sort of get into what I was doing and wait for him to settle down. And then he would come over to me. So a lot of, sometimes you have to just let them go through it. But while you're doing that, don't focus all like your energy and attention on them. Let them like self-regulate a little bit and get that under control for themselves. And that is the theme of, of the, the show. show. What then right. brings us to... Kristen's Corner. Okay, guys, I have a kind of fun um, little corner here today. A fun uh, little corner, guys. A fun little corner. Um, basically, I found this on dating.about.com, right? And Wait, what is it on? Dating.about.com. Oh, dating.about.com. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. And um, for many of you guys out there, you guys are, you know, a lot of us are strapped for cash and we want to do something special with our hubby or our honey and we just don't maybe have like some extra funds coming in. And so, but that does not mean that we do not have to be romantic. So what I found was for you guys out there who want to be romantic with your wife or your husband, um, but you don't have a lot of money, this is uh, what I found on this site was cheap date ideas for romantics, which I thought was kind of uh, cool. Oh, I love that. That's great. Okay, so there's four of them. Uh, make a cheap date dinner for your sweetie, complete with sexy music and candles. That's so sweet. And you could do it after your kids go to bed. You can also do it, let's just say your kids are in school, because some of our kids are in school, or they have therapy sessions, whether they be at the house or, you know, however you guys work it. 
you could actually have like a lunch date the same way. You know what I mean? Whoever's working with your child, whether it be in a playroom, whether it be in school, whether it be whatever, right? So it doesn't always have to be the traditional date that you might think, right? Okay, I like this one because this is definitely when you guys go to bed. Um, learn how to do a strip tease and perform it for your partner. This could be men or women, by the I way. I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, and that doesn't cost anything, so that's Certainly simple. doesn't. Uh, pack a picnic and take your date for a bike ride to, to a secluded location for a special, inexpensive getaway. I thought that one was really sweet. And then the last one is spend a day together at the beach. You can snorkel, explore, explore sea life, collect seashells and driftwood, go for a swim, or have a rock skipping contest. Although that was really cute. Cute. If you don't have a beach, honestly, you can do this at the park. You can do this um, at a lake. You could do this just pretty much anywhere uh, that you can kind of get away. There's lots of places that you can go take a walk and kind of explore and just kind of escape for the day. Sometimes the simplest dates are the best dates. So that is uh, Kristen's Corner. And I want to remind you guys out there, to ask yourself the question, what have you done in your five minutes? All right, thank you for the corner, Kristen's Corner. You're welcome, and now it's time for... Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. Ron, 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 Sorry, I needed a longer introduction that time. It just had to be done. Um, hey, guys, here's what I want to say. Let's stop calling our children tragic. Uh, so many people, I'm talking about, talking to the world here, okay? If you're, look, if you're a parent of a child on the autism spectrum, you're used to people feeling sorry for you. You're used to people saying, almost like in sympathetic tones, oh, how sad, how tragic that you have the child that you have. Now, oftentimes, even doctors and diagnosticians informing you of your child's diagnosis can't hide their own pity as they're doing it. You know this doesn't feel right, but it can seem hard sometimes not to give in to this mentality. Uh, I actually really feel like the, the most overlooked area of autism treatment consists of our own attitudes and emotions, our own emotional states. And step one in tackling this is acquiring a new lens through which to see our children. What if we see our children's uniqueness as a blessing and not a curse? What if we could free ourselves from everyone else's dark vision of our children's future and see the light of their potential? What if we could enjoy the children that we have instead of mourning for the ones we don't? You know, when I was diagnosed with severe autism as a kid, my parents created a program which enabled my complete recovery when they created their Sunrise program. At the end of the day, they did a lot of great techniques with me when they developed the Sunrise program, but it was their attitude that saw them through. So we can keep looking down with pity upon those with special children and continue to encourage their families to do the same, or we can throw away our tired labels and see these children for the beautiful gifts that they are. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. I Thanks, can't believe guys. it's the end of the show. Yes, it's the end. And if you guys want to get in touch with us or if you have an idea for a show, please email us at Ron and Kristen at gmail.com, which is R-A-U-N-A-N-E-K-R-I-S-T-I-N at gmail.com. Or please find us on Facebook at Kristen Selby Gonzalez or me at Ron K. Kaufman. And we'd love to see you there. Absolutely. And guys, thanks again for allowing us to bring hope into your homes. Until next time. See ya. Bye. You're listening to Autism Approved Radio.